You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. Then he was in forensics. Then he was a New South Wales firefighter. This season of Loose Units is called Hot Stuff Coming Through. And apart from having an incredibly cool and stupid name, it's going to reveal the untold side of being a firefighter in Australia. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Loose Units Hot Stuff Coming Through, where I am talking to my dad, who used to be a firefighter in the New South Wales uh, Fire and Rescue. Is that what it's called now? Uh, That's what it's called now, but it used to be the New South Wales Fire Brigades. Right, and uh, you're hearing John Verhoeven. I'm Paul Verhoeven. Welcome to the show, everyone. Now, one of the trademarks of Loose Units is, for better or worse, weird and graphic stuff. Now, obviously, we've dealt with some pretty intense stuff on Loose Units before, but Dad hinted before we hit record on this episode that he had something like uniquely stressful to tell me about a a case that he uh, dealt with in the fire brigade. So, Dad, do you want to lay it on us? I mean, not uniquely stressful. I mean, that sounds as though there were so many amazing stressful things, which the listeners will be... um, Subjected to. Taken, not subjected... (laughs) Will be taken on a, uh, on a on a magical mystery tour, a terrible graphic journey. Mm. Yeah, because I, I recall that the listeners really liked. I won't say getting off or got off on the great stories and the police, but you know the more the horrend- horrendous forensic stories. I guess it's more that people become sort of. I mean, true crime is a huge thing right now. We are currently surfing a wave of like true crime popularity. That's great. That's great for us. But it does mean that sometimes people grow accustomed to yeah, the yeah. strangeness of crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, obviously, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is, and this might seem a little elementary, but the effect that fire has on the human body is mm. something that you encountered many times as a police officer. Mm. And the thing that you implied you were going to tell me on this episode, uh, the story that... Well, it's funny you should just mention about that particular, the effect that fire has on the body. Right. Because that reminded me of another story. Oh, sure. We'll start with that one. But it's pretty bad. Do you want to hear it? Y- yeah, that's why I'm here. Is that is that the only reason you're here, just to hear shitty stories? You know when we're doing the live shows and I'm telling something absolutely horrific and I look into the abyss? Yeah. Not my abyss, the abyss. The figurative abyss? The crowd. I look oh. out into the darkness Don't... and I can kind of see the front row or two. Yeah. And I'm kind of telling them the most extraordinary, horrific, visceral descriptive story about something so horrific and I'm looking and I'm going in, mentally I'm saying to myself are they affected by this story and I often think they're not but I know they are mm. but sometimes I've learned not not I've kind of learned 
through discussion with various people. And sometimes at the end of a show, I'll, I'll say to people, look, you know, how was that? What did you like? And then you begin to realise that you don't necessarily have to see an immediate reaction because sometimes the crowd are so transfixed on the story. But when I first started doing the live shows, I was very, very much into, God, there's no reaction. It'd be like a comedian, but maybe not like a comedian. But if a comedian, they kind of know they're failing if no one's laughing. Whereas when you're telling a story, sometimes that silence, you can hear a pin drop. Well, That's actually... That, yeah, it's they're listening. You know. They're listening, which is, which is kind of nice. Mm. It was a particularly horrific... Uh, motor vehicle accident uh, up on the central coast where a lady was um she was uh, she just dropped her kids off at school yeah and she was um heading home and she veered onto the wrong side of the road and she had a head-on collision mm-hmm. with a bus full of kids jesus and we got a call to this uh, particularly horrific motor vehicle accident mm-hmm. and she in the front of her car was on fire. She'd caught on fire. How? Oh, they'd been... Look, cars occasionally during uh, motor vehicle accidents do catch on fire. Right. Her body was uh, fairly well alight. And then we looked down and we could see that she was missing her head. Basically, her head... Now, the driver of the bus, school bus, he was trapped. He couldn't move. And as we entered the, the bus... A couple of the guys were working on extinguishing the car with her headless body still in the car. Uh, And it was kind of weird that the head was gone. We didn't know where the head was. And then as we got onto the bus, uh, one of my friends trod and something crushed. Like he made this horrendous sound and he'd actually trodden on her jawbone that was uh, made its way into the front of the bus. And the rest of her head was in the driver's lap. And he couldn't he couldn't move it, so he had this woman's head minus the jaw that had fallen down beside her that one of the fireys accidentally trod on. So let's just I I I don't really want to be in this place anymore, but I'm just going to quickly <laughs> just try and engineer this a little bit clearer. So this woman veers into a school bus. Yep. Um, do you remember where and when this um, was? I'd prefer not to mention the suburb. Oh, no, no. Okay, okay. Are we talking... Is it on a highway? Is it yeah, on a highway. Okay, so going pretty fast. Yeah. Right. She hits the school bus. Are any of the kids hurt? Mm, no, but I don't think they'd be overly happy with what they saw. Well, no, presumably. Okay, so she hits the bus. How, from a like just a medical standpoint, does somebody's head come off? Oh, that's, that's, that's easy. Is it? Yeah, basic. Can I tell you a little side story? I guess. Have I told you the story about the motor vehicle accident that I went to where four young people were in a really, really fast car? Is this ringing any bells? No, is this why you're in the fire brigade? No, no, I'm just telling you about when I was in the police force. I went to an accident. Sure. But I don't think I've ever told you this story. I'm just going to demonstrate the most incredible things that can happen in a motor vehicle accident. Sure. Imagine you're heading super fast at, let's say, 150, 160 kilometres an hour, Mm. and you hit a tree. Is this ringing any bells? No. And what happens when you hit a tree? If it's a big tree, nothing happens to the tree. It might lose a little bit of bark. What happens to the car? It's fucked. Ready for this? Yeah. When I looked inside this car, the driver... Well, here's something amazing. All the occupants of the car, all their shoes came off. 
What? Yep. Imagine, how incredible is that? Well, rapid deceleration. Their bodies stop their shoes. Keep going. Keep going. All their shoes are off. He was wearing a shirt, and between buttons two and three, right there, was sitting outside his chest, outside the shirt, his heart. The rapid deceleration, his heart had gone through his sternum. How? That's... Incredible. Right. And that was his only visible injury. His uh, his only visible injury. Yeah. His shoes had come off, yep. which is not an injury, and his heart had popped out of his chest. His shoes had come <laughs> off, which is not an injury. Cause of... De- well... Isn't that amazing? But how incredible is that that, that incredible deceleration mm. where all your organs keep want to keep going? It's just phenomenal, isn't it? The human bodies... And that's a freak accident because yeah. that's the first and last time I've ever seen or heard of that. Right. It's just, so, I mean, this episode seems to revolve around things being removed from people's bodies that we'd really <laughs> rather not... Please, re- please, dear listeners, please don't misinterpret my laughing. It's, as some sort of sick, because I just, I, it's all I can do. He's got a slight tremor to his yeah, hand. It's slight like, tremor. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things we mentioned um, in a previous episode was your assertion, and I think it's not, it's not an unfair assertion that people looked at and look at firefighters with a certain degree of reverence. They do. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, and obviously that's not why you got into the police force, but it's, it's an interesting side effect because when people look at the police, there is a, there's a more nuanced... M- most definitely. Like um, like nuances in children giving them the bird, the finger. Sure. As yeah. opposed to fire is it's, wow, they wave. It's That's more... one of the nice things about when I joined the, the fire brigade. We'd be driving along and kids would be waving mm. and, and mothers who were basically pretty excited about seeing a... You know, a hunky firefighter. A truck full of firemen. Just like so a, the mums were kind of... The calendar just driving past. There's October yeah. and February driving. Yeah. Yeah. What month would you be? February. Can you say that again? February. No, that was February. Not. No, that was also wrong. You said the month wrong three times. I'm giving you March. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so the thing is that I mean, and we used to do a lot of work in schools. So you'd um, you'd go into a school and you'd set the fire engine up and you'd let the little... <laughs> so you set the fire. You go into the school, yeah. you set the fire, you put mm. it out, everyone cheers, and then all the kids would have a go of the hose and really. Um, yeah. How many children would it take to hold a fire hose in place? No, that, look, you'd, 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 you'd assist them. Right. And it was exciting. Yeah. And they'd all, of course, wanted to hose the teacher. Sure. So, you know, whatever. Can I ask a question? Yeah. If a child was holding the branch, so I'm learning, mm-hmm. of a fire hose, a yep. proper fire hose, yep. and you turn it on full blast, yep. what would happen to well, the child? Well, if they held on, yep. they'd be beaten about the quadrangle and their brains and bones and their whole... They'd be... They'd be disemboweled. Uh, it'd blow their eye sockets out. They'd be fucked. <laughs> Fucking hell. Okay. You that's, no, that's what had happened. So, right. They'd be just thrown around like a like a fucking balloon that you just let the air out of. So... Just goes... I mean, I mean... Be incredible to watch. They they would definitely let go before the Yeah, but eye. if they didn't let go. If they didn't and, let go. And maybe go. they would be so scared they'd keep hanging on to it as it flew around bashing into things. Oh, it'd be terrible. What's wrong with you? You could just say they'd die... I don't need the Lovecraftian imagery. Okay, so we're talking about the fact that firefighters are greeted with a certain degree of uh, reverence, hero Mm, worship. You know, we keep joking about the hunky firefighter calendar. If any listeners feel like photoshopping dad's head onto 
uh, hunky firefighters, we can release the uh, hot stuff coming through Loose Units calendar and sell it at our next live mm. event. I'll tell you a fun fact, Paul. Mm? People feel very safe around firemen, and it was not not uncommon. Mm. And, I, and I'm sure, perhaps we'll get a little bit of. Can you actually say I'm sure? And perhaps um, I think we'll probably get some feedback from some emergency service workers. Yeah, it was not that uncommon at night time to be alone in a fire station and you'd have some, generally a lady, mm. would call up and she'd like to, um, you know, perhaps get to know a few of the firemen. Climb the pole, so Climb the greasy pole. Sure. Just, uh, um, or slide down the greasy pole. Sure. And you, did you ever slide down the greasy pole? I've slidden down a few poles, but they were actual proper poles in fire stations. It's not prison slang, is it? No. And also at a fire station in Sydney at... Piermont yeah. or Glebe. No, Glebe. They installed the first actual pole because they figured out that it was a lot easier for the firemen upstairs instead of going downstairs mm-hmm. to just leap out like in Batman yeah, and just grab onto this big shiny stainless steel pole and slide down and then be basically at the, at the engine and then turn out really really quickly yeah and the occupational health and safety officer a lady um who was working ohs with the new south wales fire brigades Uh she wanted to demonstrate that it was all uh you know working properly and she used it for her first time and she broke her ankles when she got to the bottom jesus Mm, true story what's the safe way to slide down one of those poles um well firstly when you lunge for the pole make sure you actually get the pole And um, that can and be it, that, that can be the October photo. Yeah, you, you, it's sort of like um, you've got one hand above the other <laughs> on this big pole, <laughs> and then you've got one foot below the other, and you kind of just slide down. And if you if you're lucky, you'll get a bit of a depending on how you approach the pole. If you, sort of, <laughs> if you come at it from an angle, you might develop a bit of a twist as well, and de- like a screw going down a um, like a corkscrew. Sure. Look, there are various ways. And don't forget, the tip of the pole is the most sensitive part. Now, I think what's interesting here is the fact that... Because firefighters do have a kind of mystique about them. And I guess, is there any... Is there anything about firefighters that you think people don't know that will make them seem less glamorous? Like, are there any, like, hard truths about, like, life as a firefighter? So, for example... Um, you mentioned, I believe, last episode that the rostering situation was two nights, two days, four off. So what are you doing when you're not actually putting fires out as a firefighter? At the station? Yeah. Um, well, you do a lot of brigade exercises right? where you go out and you simulate certain uh, scenarios. So when I worked at Crow's Nest, we, we had an, an amazing station officer who was... I say amazing, he, was, he, lo- he, lo- he loved the fire brigade. 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Can I give you a little example of how much he loved the fire brigade? Yes. He used to drive an old-fashioned Holden. He took that out to the uh, to the place where they spray paint fire engines, and he had his personal Holden spray painted fire engine red. Did we he get didn't... any of the lettering or anything? No, no, no. But it was, I mean, that's that's pretty. But you've mentioned police who would, you know, there was one officer that you mentioned who, in his like downtime, would go to L.A. and would be like a. He was amazing. Yeah. So. Uh... As a firefighter, do you have that same level of you go to a you you know travel, you go and work at different? I know because I know right now there's a lot of um uh, I believe American police uh, firefighters working on the Australian fires. Mm, yeah, yeah. Is there a kind of like well, a? There's an international camaraderie. Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know whether I'd go so far as to have my private car spray, spray painted fire engine red. Right. Okay. Um, although we did have a house that had a a red door. Mm. In fact, hang on a sec. We actually had a house we painted red. Yeah. So I'm starting to sound like a bit. It's a bit, a bit sad, perhaps. I remember the house. Yeah. I have a story that I would like to tell um, about you and fire. And I don't know if this is going to... <laughs> Look, it's just... I'm going to tell this real quick story to you. I'm not sure if you remember this. But um, you have been an antique dealer for many years. Mm. And you were an antique dealer during your time in the fire brigade. And occasionally, as an antique dealer, you have like large amounts of cash. And I remember one time when you were still in the fire brigade, and I would consider this a fire hazard that you willfully brought on all of us. Mm. You had a very large wad of bills. Yep. And the bank was open the next day. And we were going out to dinner. And you thought, where am I going to hide this? I think it was like $3,000. And would you like to tell the listeners what you did? Okay. Well, golly, I can't believe... A, you remembered B, that I'm about to talk about it because it was, it was, it was pretty fucked up. Well, it was $3,000 cash and yeah. it was probably mid, early to mid-90s mm. and uh, we were living in a house uh, on the northern beaches of Sydney in Curl Curl and we had a... And I... This $3,000 was the equivalent of probably $15,000 now and it was tightly bound in uh, rubber bands mm. And I had the idea of hiding it um, in a toaster, <laughs> in a pop-up toaster. A toast- and I popped the, the wad, like it was a huge, it was just a bulging wad of, you know, maybe 20s and 50s. It was like a brick of money. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was substantial. Mm-hmm. And um, then I put it into the toaster and then I looked and it was in the kitchen and I looked and I thought, you know what, you can still see it. So I pressed it down and then we left <laughs> did and you was it 
Was it unplugged, the toaster? No, it wasn't unplugged. Well, it was on. But it only becomes on when you press down. Sure. And then what happens, of course, is that once your toast is uh, is, is nice and toasty, which mm. is perhaps perhaps a minute, yeah, would be considered quite a long time, mm. it then pops back up. Yeah. My problem was that when I pressed it down, it was so thick that it got jammed. And we went away for probably three or four hours. Yeah. And we came back to a house full of smoke. Sure. Which as a firefighter, I'm assuming, is not an ideal situation. And then Christine and you kids were still getting out of the car and I ran inside and opened up the windows and realised that it wasn't a major fire. But it was, in fact, the $3,000 that had burnt to a black, hardened brick with a sort of coated with melted rubber bands. And this is before Australia transitioned to plastic bills. So it was the pa- it was no, just paper, straight paper. up paper money. Yeah, and it just um and poor 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 Christine. I mean, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And she came in and and I told her what what I'd done and she looked so fuck she looked so sad. Was she mad? No, she never gets mad. Really? Yep. I'd be mad. No, no, she I think I just I think she was partially numb and Realised the gravity of the situation. But, I mean, how does a firefighter make a mistake like that? Oh, it's just such a fuck-up. It's a weird thing to do. No, it's bizarre. I don't think the fact that I was a firefighter is that relevant. Really? I just think it's it's just... But surely, okay, so if you're a police officer, surely what you're doing is like... if someone's... Oh, you're right. Actually, you know, I was thinking more about the money not being stolen. Gotcha. We had nowhere to hide it. Well, no one's going to touch if it if it's on fire. I mean, fire is the ultimate deterrent. <laughs> Look, it was so fucked up. But then, and I'll tell you what I did. You yeah. know what I did? Yeah. When I extricated this block of hardened um, charcoal, yeah. essentially, mm. from the toaster, I, I can assure you that this story has a happy ending. Does it? Yeah. Is what? this all you know of the story? Yeah. Okay, cool. We'll get ready for this. Okay. I knew there was $3,000 in there. Uh-huh. I took it down to the Commonwealth Bank at Ringham Hall in Brookvale. hmm And they are the one bank in Australia, or they used to be, where you could take damaged money. And I put the block of notes on the counter. Yeah. And as I put it on the counter, it started to sort of disintegrate. Mm. And there was a whole pile of soot. And the teller picked up the block that was black and then with one the other hand he sort of wiped away the residue the residue and I said hang on a sec you've just wiped away some money there and guess what I ended up getting back $3,200 wait did you tell him that he wiped away $200 well I inferred (laughs) that he'd wiped away some residual money and uh they there was an honor system which is very decent of the Commonwealth uh, Bank which you flagrantly abused. Yep, and um, I ended up making two hundred dollars on that whole thing. But it taught me a valuable lesson about uh, you know concealing not fire safety. Obviously, uh, here's a question: How often do toasters cause fires? Have you ever uh, were you ever oh, called often? Were you ever called um, to a fire where a toaster was? Yeah, the yeah, and microwaves too. Really, and also uh, uh, probably the most common. Um, way that a fire starts, particularly in winter because people have heaters, but one of the great things is candles where you set a candle up. We went to a fire one night, an apartment completely oh, this this place was 
basically rat shit. Talk us through it. It was in Manly. It was a shitty night. Heaps of appliances there. This guy, uh, he was stoned and he'd got a candle and he'd lit it, but he put it in the sink, which is a really, really, actually, all jokes aside, really clever. Yeah. Because he was really thinking about it would be away from anything flammable, Mm -hmm. but he'd left the window open and the wind picked up the curtain and the curtain blew across, ignited the curtain. Yep. And then the house went up. Um, so that was a bit, a bit, bit sad. So what happens with fire is, um, whenever you see, I mean, you get people all the time when there's a fire engine going and the, and they turn their everything turns off. What happens is the the reality is that um, every single fire that fire is a call to, they always have two fire engines going, no matter what. Mm. So it's an automatic fire alarm, first and second responder. Second responder is making their way. The first vehicle pulls up, and if there's no fire, they then say, through control, like the VKG of the police, we don't need the second appliance. So that second appliance that's screaming to this potential fire, all of a sudden in the middle of traffic, and people see it all the time, they just turn everything off and they just kind of pull over and they might do a Yui and back to the station. Mm. And people always make this... Um, they joke that, oh, you know, they're off just getting their lunch or... But it's all bullshit. Um, but there are certain rules, like with the police force, in that there are certain places where you shouldn't use your siren. Did you know that? If you're going to a fire, you shouldn't mm. use the siren going past a place of worship yep. or a hospital. Of course. Which is kind of, to a degree, common sense. Yep, okay. Um, but one of the problems that emergency service personnel are having now more and more are people inside their cars that are listening to really, really loud music and they're completely oblivious and that's why in Sydney, some of the big appliances in the city have got that amazing, really creepy kind of... Have you heard that new sound they've got? And no. that's to sort of penetrate through the car, like almost almost sort of the, the sound waves are travelling through that'll also help notify that that it's on. What does it sound like? Um, sort of surreal and a bit creepy. Can you do so, an impression for no, us? No, I can't. Oh, come on. No, I, don't, I can't actually. So what does it sound like, though? I, I, if, you, if you had to, like, gun to your head. Well, I... No. Because... Gun, gun to your head. That it like, I, I don't know, Paul. It's just. Is it like a. Is that the noise? Paul, I'm going to fucking hit you in a sec. Um, <clears throat> no, it's sort of a more a, a deep pitched. Um, it's pretty creepy, actually. <laughs> Can I ask well, one last question for this mm. episode? Yep. Have you ever, because we've already established that you've, you've you know, the, the, the toaster thing was not fire safety, right? Have you ever lit a fire? Well, yes, I have. When I was 12 and I had a mowing run. Yeah. And I was bored. It was Saturday afternoon. And I got some of my petrol and I wanted to see whether water would burn. So mm. I poured. But I'm sure we discussed this in a previous podcast. Yes, but now we're talking about, like, things that are your fault. So, um, Well, actually, there was a time when I was five, maybe even younger, when we were in Tamworth. Uh, my brother was born in Tamworth, and we were going to see the baby health sister, mm. nurse. Uh, and I came running into my parents and said that uh, a man had been walking by this fence and had lit the fence on fire or something like that but it turns out that I'd actually done it so what do you mean it turns out you actually did it well I'd lit the fire but even at that young age I'd pretended I was so scared to blame I felt that it 
I should blame someone else. Okay. So there was this anonymous, non-existent person mm. that I... Because I knew I'd get in trouble. Right. But you've got to be so careful with fire. And, you know, it's the time now where we're talking about... Everyone's talking about the fire and how powerful it is and the bushfire. And um, I've got some incredible firefighting, bush bush firefighting stories yeah. from the big fires that, mm. that we'll talk about. But I didn't want to start the whole season and this whole new series talking about the bush because I think it's 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 not the time. No, I think course. down the track I'm, yeah. I'm happy to talk about the 94 bushfires that if you do any research you'll begin to realise how massive they were mm. where Sydney was basically uh, cut off and I've got some amazing phenomenal stories but I just want to temper it by saying that you know it's as I said um, you know I don't like to take from the current no, of course. situation. And I think what we'll do is, because you've, we've already established in your most recent story, you lighting a fence on fire, that, uh, you know, arson is a thing. And I remember at the start of this season, uh, you mentioned an interest in, you know, like arsonists. So next episode, we are going to look at arson. We're going to start talking about what kind of people light fires and what kind of scenes firefighters are confronted with in those cases. But uh, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Loose Units hot stuff coming through. Don't forget to subscribe and review and do all that other iTunes stuff. And if you want to follow our very robust, enormous, wonderful community of listeners, you can head across to facebook.com forward slash Loose Units. And also keep an eye out because Electric Blue, the sequel to Loose Units out through Penguin Publishing, written by me, is coming out later this year. See you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.